0: Reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, and joining me from his own newsletter, Go Long, is Tyler Dunn. What is up, Tyler? Matt it is good
1: to see you in addition to hearing you usually we communicate via text when you know i need that podcast help some way somehow i'll i'll beat you to the punch i'll be, you know the, the, your podcast host right here is a savant when it comes to producing podcasts so and even more than that he's just an unbelievably exceptional human being so thank you Matt it's good to see you
0: well, that's a very nice. Usually I'm giving out all the compliments first on the, the podcast because let me just throw them back at you is uh, what you have done with Go Long after working for Bleacher Report has been incredible to see. You're doing all sorts of long forms and Q&As. You just did a and a with Trent Dilfer, which was extremely cool. And you, you've had a lot, of, some that I've been jealous of. I'm going to try to get Leroy Horde on the show here because you had a chance to talk with him. So your work that you've done with Go Long is amazing, and people should check that out at golongtd.com. People should go there and check that out, and your Go Long podcast as well, in which sometimes you have former Bills general manager Doug Whaley on, which I think is awesome to get the perspective of somebody who was actually a general manager all the time. So you're doing great stuff. Everybody should check that out. You are part of the Substack Nation, as I am as well. So it's been cool to see you go on your own and, and do the, uh, you know, kind of the same. Thing as I've been doing, only with you know the national perspective. So anyway, now that we are finished patting each other on the back, (laughs) let's talk some football. You became an honorary Vikings reporter to start. Go long, by the way. And (laughs) months ago, we talked about uh, Mike Zimmer for after you did your article and put it out a two-part piece that if people have not read it, should go back and find it because it was an incredibly deep dive on Zimmer. So before we get to the golf and Stafford trades and what else, you know, we should expect. For quarterback trades. Now that the Vikings went seven and nine, and you laid out some of the issues and the tensions and things like that that have gone on with Zimmer, and more people have left the assistant general manager of the Vikings and Gary Kubiak retiring. I'm not saying those are directly because of Mike Zimmer, but it really seems like Zimmer is in a spot where he's kind of backed into a corner where it's like if you don't in 2021, show that this ship is going in the right direction. This might be it because I think that the goodwill of 2017 has more or less worn off with Mike Zimmer. You just nailed it. I mean, that that's
1: definitely the, um, the takeaway for me. I, you know, I, I'm on the outside. You know, I'm not right there in Minneapolis, but just the people I've talked to, it's like, okay, this season you had COVID. You had a lot of people leaving. You had a lot of young players on defense. All of that, you know, you've got some baked-in excuses that maybe are justified, right? Like, maybe you can say, look, our defense is in the state it's in because of this player that left and this player we have in there. You can have that debate all day long, but it, it's it's there. I mean, it's not like Mike Zimmer should be fired this second because they didn't make the playoffs. They've, they're they kind of all in on Mike Zimmer, right? I mean, ownership. They're, they want this to work. Like, they, they want this to be a sustainable situation where year in and year out, they don't have to worry about hiring new coaches and and completely changing the culture and the foundation like teams seem to do every two, three years these days. So I think that the Vikings ownership is bad as they want it to work out. And yeah, you do have some very real excuses here. There's also the argument of complacency just doesn't get you anywhere. Like being content doesn't get you anywhere. Something is wrong here. When one offensive coordinator after another is leaving, whether they're they're fired, they resign, they're out, like they're all leaving. Like people, like you just said, more people left this off season already. Um, I I think that 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 the worst place to be in as a franchise, and we talked about it a couple months ago, is kind of where the Vikings are. When you're in purgatory, at six and ten to eight and eight. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're you're not really looking for a new quarterback. You're not really looking for a new direction it's you're not a Super Bowl contender. You're just kind of stuck in the middle. They feel like a team that's stuck in the middle. That's kind of lying to themselves in the sense of, in, in the name of continuity. And, and, and I, I get it. Like, look, like you said, we have Doug Whaley on our podcast regularly. I mean, he's really open about this stuff. And in Buffalo, I can remember when he signed a contract extension with, uh, with, with the Pagulas with Russ Brandon. I mean, they took a picture right on the yacht And the big mantra then was continuity. We don't want to go through coaches and GMs. We want this to work. We want this to stick. They they were gone in a year. I mean, he was gone in a year. So it's like sometimes you do just have to start over. You have to figure out a new direction. And I think the Vikings are kind of past that point, but they don't see it.
0: Yeah, it's uh, let me just drop the cliches. The NFL usually is not for long, but uh, with this team staying with Mike Zimmer, signing him to a contract extension, they did lock themselves into a direction. But I think that, like you mentioned, with Whaley getting fired by Buffalo, there is a correlation there with the Vikings where you sign someone to a deal with certain expectations or thoughts of how this is going to go, and whether Ownership is realistic about that or not does not matter in this equation. It's just whether you reach those expectations. So maybe this year, having the expectations of completely redoing your defense um, and thinking, well, you know, Zimmer will just coach him up. Well, you can't coach up when neither of your defensive tackles can pressure the quarterback, or when right. you can't coach up when you lose to Hunter, or when you play on such thin ice that if anything goes wrong, you're going to fall in. Well, that's exactly what happened to them this year. And then now they. they They don't have a cap situation that's easy to get out of. And they also have a coach. I mean, in fairness, two of those offensive coordinators left for head coaching jobs. So, I mean, they did a good job. Kevin Stefanski and Pat Shermer under Mike Zimmer didn't necessarily leave on bad terms like some other offensive coordinators did. So it's not not everybody, but it does feel like there's a different – tenor to this sort of reboot of Zimmer than there was when he first got here when the organization was just totally lost at sea and now they're an organization that has different expectations of where they should be so before if you it's sort of like the Browns like Stefanski gets the Browns a playoff win. it's like oh my god a playoff win for the Browns well guess what if two years from now they're not winning playoff games, he'll probably be fired. I mean, it's just right. kind of – it's like you're a victim of your own expectations that you've set. And I feel the same way about Zimmer. And then what you laid out in the piece is that Zimmer's really – I'm going to be hard on everybody and that kind of thing. That fit really well at one point, and so did run the ball when Adrian Peterson is your running back. And, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, Case Keener, are your quarterbacks run the ball, play defense, like that worked. But now they might just need something else. And it feels like it, it, and I read this on my comment section all the time. It feels like everybody can see this, but you, huh? Like with, with <laughs> ownership, right? Totally. And, and with ownership
1: must not see there. I mean, you tell me, man, I mean, maybe this is, maybe I'm misreading this, but like a, a point that, that Monas and Whaley make all the time. I mean, they were Jim Monas, what was Doug Whaley's right-hand man in Buffalo, as you know, for, for four years and then they're gone. But they always say like the coach, the head coach and the GM, it sounds cliche, but they gotta be synced up. Like they gotta be on the same page. If they're not on the same page, if, if you don't have a clear hierarchy of like, who's doing what, and we believe in this all together, like it's bound to fail. And, you know, whether it was Doug Marone Quinton, to Rex Ryan doing whatever the hell Rex Ryan was doing day to day. It was just a clown show with him to then Sean McDermott. I mean, Mona's got McDermott the interview and then they hire McDermott and then McDermott basically fires them. So that's kind of an interesting dynamic in Buffalo. But anyways, like they never, nobody was ever on the same page there. Mm -hmm. And in Minnesota, I think I kind of see the same thing. I know they've been together a long time, Zimmer and Spielman, but reporting on that story, I got the sense that like, you know, Terrence Newman kind of said it himself, like, what are we talking about Zimmer for Zimmer for look at what they did a quarterback. They gave Kirk cousins all this money. Like that's who we should be talking about. Like, I'm not saying he speaks for Mike Zimmer, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you were at those press conferences early on where Mike Zimmer didn't seem that excited about Kirk cousins and that contract right out of the shoot. Um, I'm not so sure. Like he was all on board with that. Like Rick Spielman might've been, I don't think they necessarily see eye to eye on a lot. I'm surprised it's lasted this long. Um, and, and maybe that's kind of part of the problem is that they they, they they sell the fact that they're synced up when they're really not synced up. Right. And they're just kind of joint at the hip and they just kind of go year to year to year. And here we are in 2021.
0: It feels very much like individually these people are all good at what they do, but the sum of the parts is less than it should be. Um. And, and I mean, like, look, this is not a failure of an organization. Seven and nine season is – not a like total rebuild, like tanking type right. of thing. It's not like you put out a product that was embarrassing this year or something. And the same thing goes for the eight, seven, and one, or the ten and six. Like these aren't embarrassing seasons by any means, but that wasn't the goal. Like the goal when you signed Kirk Cousins was let's let's not embarrass ourselves. No, it was like let's go compete for a right, right, Let's go win it. Yeah. And so twenty five wins in three years is not what you were looking for when you signed him. So you have a general manager who I think is done overall in a front office. I like to say front office because the GM is just one guy who listens to a lot of people and makes decisions. But you have a general manager who did a great job building your last team and made a lot of very good decisions building that team that he hasn't really repeated since then. He's sort of gone against the way you built the last team. You have a head coach who wants a quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater who's going to check it down and who's not going to turn the ball over and is going to be kind of a yes sir type of guy. And you have a a quarterback who I think if you have him let loose as a passer can have a, big season and can drive your success, but his coach doesn't want that because he's afraid of his turnovers. And you just sort of have these, these three forces pulling at each other. It's like, well, which one is going to break? Are you going to move on from cousins and bring in a cheaper quarterback? So Zimmer can build up his defense. Are you going to move on from a general manager? So you can build the team the way Zimmer wants. Are you going to move on from your coach? So you can build your team around this quarterback. But I feel like, all these things going on at the same time doesn't really fit for having a successful team in the future. Totally
1: agree. Like, I mean, it's, (laughs) it's, it's kind of a, this weird marriage that it just isn't going to work because they don't all have the same vision for how they want to live together. Like, I I don't know. Like, I don't know how this is going to end. It's like, yeah, you're right. They're not going to bottom out. I mean, Kirk Cousins, I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback. He's a good quarterback. Like he, He's put up great numbers. He had uh, statistically a really good season. But we know what Kirk Cousins is. Like, he will only take you so far. I mean, Matt Ryan in Atlanta, he's going to take you so far. I mean, you could say the same thing about Matthew Stafford. And in Detroit, now he's in L.A., and I know we're going to talk about it. But I I wonder, like, is he really the guy that's going to put him over the top? I don't know. I feel like we've seen enough of Stafford. Sometimes with these quarterbacks, you kind of know what their ceiling is. And you know what, Cousin's ceiling is, and it's not a really good fit for the way Mike Zimmer wants to play. It's, it's weird. You know, I, I think it's good to be, and I'm, and you are with your writing and with your podcast and everything, man. Like, it's good to be critical of a situation like this because you should be. I mean, fans should want that. You've got a team that could contend. That's good. I mean, they're not like terrible. Like, you, you should be critical in that front office of what you have, and I, I feel like maybe they aren't critical enough. Like last off season they should have just cut bait at quarterback and then be in a much different situation right now and and have a much brighter future right now.
0: And if you think about it, um, you know, let's say there's um like a a test and you have four potential answers. If they circled three of them, they might be able to be a very competitive team in the NFC next year. But it feels like they either want to circle none of the above or all of them. <laughs> and it's like, let's go all of those directions at once uh. and see what happens. Like, if you go the direction of, let's sign Curtis Samuel and draft Devontae Smith and throw the ball all the time. Okay, that could win. Let's go the direction of Kirk Cousins, see ya, and now we're going to build up the defense. Okay, that could win, like with Marcus Mariota, quarterback, playing the role of Kirk Cousins. As the play-action type of handed off a lot, like yeah, I know. But you, but you can win with that. They won with that with Case Keenum, right? And you could be highly competitive. But you can't do them all at once with a right. bunch of people wanting a bunch of different things. And I think that's, that's the main point about where they are as an offseason. So I'm interested to see, like, do you finally get on the same page and say, OK, this didn't work for picking a bunch of different directions. We're going to have the expensive quarterback. But the great defense, too. And it's like there is, there is push and pull here that they didn't accept before. And I think if they do this offseason, they can actually be one of the best teams in the NFC next year.
1: That's what's so freaking frustrating about this. If you're a Vikings fan, like you gave Dalvin Cook all that money, right after you gave Kirk Cousins that money, and then doubled down on Kirk Cousins, and I, I I can't figure out like what like what are you? And you've you've got smart people there who can draft well. I mean, certain positions they draft as well as any team in the league, and I don't know. You know what it comes back to, Matt? It's like quarterback. That's why the quarterback, what you do at quarterback is a zillion times more important than anything you do anywhere else. Mm -hmm. You know, Rick Spielman has done a lot, right? Running the show, but where he has failed multiple times over is at quarterback. And if you mess up there, it's going to poison the rest of the roster and the rest of your decisions. And we're having a conversation like this, where we don't know what direction they're going. They might not even know because of quarterback. And, um, Gosh, it's, it's just got to be frustrating as a fan because it's like you see a team that could win. You see people who know what they're doing, and yet you mess up at one spot. You're, you're going to be stuck. I mean, look, I don't even – I mean, when they, when they signed Kirk Cousins, like I think a lot of people assumed that was the move that was going to put the Vikings over the top. Yeah, You got to do it. You got to go all in. You add that quarterback to that defense, great. But at some point, you gotta, you got to just kind of swallow your ego and say this isn't going to work. Or you're stuck, and they're kind of
0: stuck want to remind you about our friends at Soda Stick. If you use the promo code PurpleInsider, you can get free shipping at SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. There's so many great designs, including Chuck Foreman's spin doctor shirts, skull hats, straight cash homie shirts, and much, much more. And if you're a hockey fan, would that get in going soon, or a basketball fan, make sure you check out all sorts of great designs. Their apparel is screen-printed here in Minnesota on soft super comfy shirts and hoodies, you will love it. That's S O T A S T I C K. S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com, original Minnesota sports-inspired goods, code Purple Insider for free shipping. And they also have to live in reality of, like, who he is, where he's not a guy that puts a team on his shoulders and elevates them. You have to elevate him. And this is where I want to transition into the Matt Stafford-Jared Goff Kirk Cousins also in this conversation type of um, quarterbacks where it's astonishing to me that the Los Angeles Rams could let their supporting cast for their quarterback fall apart. They don't have a good enough offensive line anymore. They don't have the receivers that they once had. At one point, Brandon Cooks is a great receiver for them. Sammy Watkins is a big contributor. And then all of a sudden it's like, uh, who is Reynolds? Right when you're watching them, like, oh, they have a tight end that they seem to throw to now that they never really did before, um, because they had great receivers and the offensive line. Like, oh, they can re- let their you know top guard go or whatever, and it turns out you can't really. Oh, they can trade everything for Jalen Ramsey, great player, but that doesn't help your quarterback at all. That makes his life harder, just like kind of with the Vikings, where oh yeah, let's just sign Anthony Barr to a huge contract. That's not making Kirk Cousins' life better. And now their hope is, oh, it's actually this other guy who is way worse in terms of his record and statistically a lot of similarities to Jared Goff. But, no, he's the answer. It feels to me very much like a Case Keenum to Kirk Cousins situation where they talk themselves into it. But with defense, whoever repeats as number one defense from year to year anymore – It's like the Patriots a couple years ago. Oh, they're just unbelievable. It's Stephon Gilmore. Two years later, they can't stop anybody. Same with the Vikings. Oh, look how great Zimmer's built this defense. Two years later, can't stop anybody. I mean, the Rams just hoping that Stafford is the answer. After having watched Stafford lose six straight games to the Vikings – I don't think your results are going to be vastly different because you're assuming everything stays exactly the same as it is now. And also just to add on to this, you're assuming no one's figured out McVeigh a little, which I wouldn't make that assumption.
1: I could not agree with you anymore completely. Like you're right. You don't see a top three defense repeat itself year in and year. I mean, they, they'll, they could be very good next year, but to be number one, I mean, and, and also, you know, I remember watching them here in Buffalo get lit up. So, I mean, game-to-game game things change. Matthew Stafford doesn't strike me as that player who's going to put you over the top himself. Like you said, we, we've seen it in Detroit. We've seen it. We've seen him with really good supporting casts, with nothing around him. He's kind of been the same guy year in and year out. And I just really wonder, too, with, with McVay. We all assume he's a genius. We all assume he's at the cutting edge of everything. I mean, if you say anything to the contrary of that, you're the idiot. But let's look, at, like you said, let's look at that talent that was on that offense when he, like th- those first two two and a half years, when he had, gosh, you, you just mentioned all the players: Cooks, Watkins, Gurley in his prime. Yes, young Gurley go, was amazing. Like, it it was amazing. I mean, everywhere you looked, there was talent, and it kind of reminds me, in a sense, of Mike McCarthy and the Packers in in two thousand and what what do you want to say two thousand nine to about twenty twelve. When he had all those guys in the cover of Sports Illustrated with Jennings and Finley and Jordy Nelson and Donald Driver and Randall Cobb, it was just sick how much weaponry they had. And when those guys left, Mike McCarthy in his offense got pretty stale. Totally different offenses, completely different. I mean, McVay's using misdirection and motion and all that. McCarthy's offense, I mean, guys are in the same position. But just the concept of maybe players do drive this game. Maybe players make plays. And yeah, co- coaching helps and schematics help and all that, but I don't think we should be in such a rush and in unanimous agreement that McVeigh is the genius. McVay, Mc, er, uh, I'm sorry, McVay is the genius. Golf sucks, and if if you <laughs> disagree with that, you're an idiot. Like maybe golf is pretty good. Maybe McVeigh isn't a genius, and maybe they got to the Super Bowl because they had a lot of talent. Or, and well, now they've maybe- got some guys out there we don't know
0: maybe the level of genius of the coach only has X percentage of how much that really matters. And we put a lot more percentage, like let's say it's actually 2% and we think it's like 40%. And that, that might be the way I look at it. Uh, Kevin Stefanski said to me uh, one time when I asked, I asked something about scheme or whatever, and he said, Look, I mean, I try the best that I can, but it's about the players. Like, I, you know, I study the, our players and try to put them in the best positions I can, but that's all I can really do. Like, I can't throw the pass for them. Yeah. And, I mean, the same thing, same approach with Pat Shermer, where he would ask players, like, does this work for you, or how can I put you in a better spot? But that's all you can really do. And so sometimes we anoint these people as if they have magic powers. The Vikings defensive line coach is fantastic. He's a great coach. He connects with guys. He teaches his technique. He's good as it gets. Their defensive line was last in the league this year. I mean, yeah. that, and guess why? Because Everson Griffin left and Linvald Joseph left, and all of a sudden that's where you're at. So you can get, I think, a little percentage more. You can make players more happy with a coach that works with them and works with their strengths, and you can game plan really well. All those things are are facts. But when it comes down to it, when you have – Everybody, I mean even Mahomes is being put in great positions by his coach. It's not like Andy Reid is some schlub who never did anything and then all of a sudden Mahomes just carries him. So like it, it, you do have an effect there, for sure. It's helpful. But if you get convinced as a coach that it's you that's doing it, you end up making a stupid trade like this for Matt Stafford. That's what I <laughs> that's how I read this situation. Is McVay's like, not me. It couldn't could be me. It's got to be it's got to be him. I'm the genius. I'm the one who's going to dial up everything. Get me a quarterback with a stronger arm who throws interceptions and takes sacks all the time. And uh that that'll be the answer. And I think that hubris in the NFL is so fascinating to cover because all of us in the media have such Small egos. No, I'm just kidding. But um, it's 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 fun to accuse other people of having big egos. Um, But but I really think that like these coaches believing it's it's all me. It's not the players. um, That's where you start to see mistakes. Totally,
1: that's completely it. It's 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 McVeigh thinking that he's the one that's right. Jared Goff isn't good enough. I'll give up these all of these picks. What two first and second for somebody else with a strong arm who will. Be exactly what I want them to be. And hey, you know what? Well, let's play this tape back in here and see where we stand, but I tend to agree. I, I, I think that Stafford is a good eight and eight, nine and seven quarterback. You know, in that division though, we haven't seen Shanahan's move a quarterback yet. Right. You know, that that's gonna be really interesting. Seattle ain't going anywhere. I know Arizona kind of bottomed out at the end of the year, but like there there isn't really like a crap team in that division that you're gonna walk all over. Like it's completely up for
0: grabs. I'm not ready to anoint the L.A. Rams Super Bowl contenders after this trade at all. Yeah, no, definitely not, because you would have to go on a lot of assumptions that you just can't go on, and especially – um, starting with the defense. and I, It's funny, just that like a week ago or a couple weeks ago, I was saying on the show, like, man, I'm actually impressed by Jared Goff. The guy's got a broken thumb. He's out there playing hard yeah. against the Packers, and their defense just couldn't stop Green Bay. That's why you lost, not even because of Jared Goff, and now he's traded to the Lions. And I think, and I know Vikings fans don't like this, but I think the Lions nailed it. And my face feels weird saying the words, <laughs> I think the Lions nailed it. Um, But – if you here's the, the problem Vikings fans have, if you admit that the Lions nailed it, you kind of have to say it's a smart move to trade Kirk Cousins. And then and and then you have to kind of admit that it might be a better route to rebuild some of the things that you have. And I think that there are a lot of people and I don't blame them for this, who just don't want to suffer to use a famous Buffalo Sabres general manager term. Um they don't want a lot of suffering and yeah. they want to be competitive and they want to see good football. And so if you trade Kirk cousins and you end up with Ryan Fitzpatrick as your quarterback for a year, you're probably going six and 10 and you're rebuilding a lot of things that feels pretty painful to talk about. So, you know, I think that there's a, there is a case there kind of based on what just happened with Detroit, but I think a lot of people just don't want to deal with that. Totally. Yeah. They don't, they don't want to, the, because the, right,
1: the assumption is, all right, well, Detroit's clearly not going to win this year. And they're looking to the future. And they inherited Golfs contract, which I don't – we can talk about the salary cap sometime. But it's not – I think it's a little overblown. Like it's, all right, they took on this money, whatever. But they got these picks. They're they're looking to the future. That can be tough to, you know, convince fans to buy into. Like, and, and, and to get fans to show up at your stadium whenever they can show up to a stadium. Mm-hmm. I feel like in Minnesota – the ownership probably kind of likes the fact that, like, they're always going to be in the conversation. I mean, you yeah. can talk yourself into the Vikings being a contender pretty much every year, it seems. Mm-hmm. And that's going to get people to go to a stadium. You're able to get build a new stadium out of it. So that's pretty good. You know, not a lot of teams yeah. can do that. Yep. <laughs> so, maybe, 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 hey, maybe they're playing chess for playing checkers. The <laughs> bottom line is the bottom line.
0: But I
1: feel like they're kind of stuck.
0: As two entrepreneurs, you and I, we do need to learn from these things. Um, But uh, so I want to know from you, I got two more things to ask about this off season. Now we've already had the first domino fall. What's the next domino do you think around the league that falls? Because it feels like we could have 18 new quarterback situations by the time this is all said and done. I would just be uh, pissing in the wind as they say, right?
1: I mean, who knows what's going to happen next? I. Deshaun Watson, right? It's got to happen. Like, I, I, I can't see the Texans forcing him to play for them and David Culley and the mess that's there right now. I don't know. I know he signed that big contract. Maybe they do play hardball. I, I feel like there's such a market for him that they could get a ton of picks and really rebuild. I mean, they're not going to win next year, so you you might as well if you, have, if your quarterback's that unhappy. Th- that could be the next domino. I mean, where, where is it? Uh Every team not named Buffalo. and hey, maybe (laughs) you should include Buffalo in the AFC East. Like, gosh, I I feel like the Dolphins have the ammo to do it. They've got the money to do it. Who doesn't want to live in South Florida? So that could be a team. That could be a domino. I mean, I'm I'm just just guessing here, but I would kind of love to see that. Just to see Watson versus Josh Allen twice a year would be great.
0: I think a lot of teams probably would hold back on offers for other quarterbacks if you're in the mix at all. So that you'd be like, uh oh, maybe, you know, probably not going to jump in on the Matt Stafford conversation because we're going to wait for the Deshaun Watson. And then once that domino falls, and then yeah. you have everything else is going to be a mad dash. And then, you know, some people want the draft to be before free agency. I kind of like the draft after free agency. So we have a lot of things in place that add to the intrigue or a lot of things that, you know, teams did. So who gets signed where for quarterbacks, who gets traded where, and then we'll have have a sense for like, okay, what could happen, you know, with these quarterbacks in the draft that are a a great crop of quarterbacks in the draft too. Uh, The last thing I wanted to ask you is you do a ton of amazing interviews with people on uh, go long. Like you've got, you got some a listers coming on for Q and (laughs) A's and long form stories and things like that since you started, which was just a couple of months ago, um, your site to do long form stuff. Give me your best story. Give me your best Q and A or the most interesting thing that you've come across. Because I mean, if you have a free free list too, not just uh, paid, but you have a free list too, so people could get some stuff. So if you go to Go Long TD, um, you'll get some of the Q and As and things like that. Amazing stuff. So I want you to give me the best of the best. Man,
1: I I appreciate the plug there, Matt. Thank you very much. I hope folks check it out. I, I would say. You know, right right up there would be our first two parter, probably. You know, that, that Bill stuff is still really fascinating to me, especially now that we're in the Super Bowl week with Patrick Mahomes. And to really get that kind of honesty from from Whaley, from Monas, and, and just learn what happened behind the scenes and just how much the owner of a team mm-hmm. loved Patrick Mahomes and did not force his own team that he owns to take Patrick Mahomes. Blows my mind, and I, you know, I think it worked out in the end. I think it set a good precedent that he's not going to be that Jerry Jones, Al Davis type, Terry Pagula, that is. And he allowed Sean McDermott to kind of build his own foundation, his own system, and here they are. I mean, they're a 13-3 team 13 that was just in the AFC Championship game, but who did they lose to? They lost to Patrick Mahomes. They lost <laughs> to the quarterback that the owner of the team wanted. I can't imagine what went through Terry Pagula's mind watching that game, but that – dynamic to be kind of at the the forefront of that and learn all of that. Um, I, I think that's probably our best piece so far, just because I, the bills aren't going anywhere. Mahomes isn't going anywhere. They, they're they going to be facing each other for a long, long time. And how often do you kind of get that story behind the scenes? So I'm definitely going to strive to try to hunt down as many of those types of stories uh, as we can, because you know what? The fans deserve it. Like it's, I mean, you do the same kind of stuff, Matt. We got to give these fans something beyond the the zoom press conference. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's yep. there's a lot of centralized messaging going on with the NFL today. It's tough to get original stuff, so I'm always trying to talk to guys one-on-one as much as I can to learn mm-hmm. something beyond the BS that's spewed
0: all the time. Can I make a fun little argument for you about so everyone hates the meddling owner. Like that's the thing that all fans, I think like 98% would agree the meddling owner is bad. However, here, here's what I think. I'll make this case. The owner should make the first-round pick for his team. Here's why. So he can't hold it against the people in charge when they get it wrong because we all get it wrong. If I put two dishes for my bowl and I said Patrick Mahomes or Mitch Trubisky and the dog went and ate one and I picked that guy, I'd have just as much of a chance as the real guy. I mean, in every study that's ever been done says this. If the If the owner of the team randomly picks – Based on the information he's given, if you said, hey, I'm the GM owner, here's five guys who we could pick. You make the call. That owner then can never hold it against his general manager. The rest of the picks the other guys can make, everyone would hate it, but it would actually be better for interpersonal communications because the odds of the GM getting it right or the owner are exactly the same.
1: I totally agree. And also, like, you're right. We all hate the meddling owner. But you know what? What if you or I had
0: billions of dollars and we bought it. I'd make you. the pick 100%.
1: Yeah. Be,
0: that would be part of the interview. I'd be like, you're never making a first-round pick. That's me. Why? I have the billions of dollars that I'm paying yeah. you with.
1: I own the team. You know what? I, I busted my ass to get to this point. You know what? I, I, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want as the owner. That's why it's so fascinating to me that, that Terry didn't he didn't force I know. his hand. Because he loved Patrick Mahomes. Loved him. Before anybody, October – of Mahomes' last year at Tech, you know, and we didn't even know who he was. He was on it, so it's
0: it's just fascinating to me that he he wouldn't step in on somebody he, he easily could have. Yeah, and I wonder, um, I mean, the, the Wilfs, I don't think, have any say on some of these things. Like, I, I think that they accept the information and say, okay, all right, that's how it's going to work or whatever. I don't have a great sense for that, um, but I just feel like, You know, even there was a story about Daniel Snyder where Jay Gruden said, well, Snyder would come off his yacht and make the pick. And, hey, sometimes it could be a disaster. Like Dallas, you know, they wanted Johnny Manziel or Jerry Jones wanted Johnny Manziel. That would have been a complete – although for entertainment purposes would have been fun, but a total disaster. (laughs) But just as many disasters would be just as many success stories and GMs get hired and fired on first-round picks. So it's just – I don't know. Like random thought popped into my head is like Terry should have made the pick. Like, yeah. Let let the football men pick the sixth rounder because you don't know who the sixth rounder is. But you pick the first one so you can never be mad at them. And uh, McDermott's lucky that Josh Allen has worked out for now. Very,
1: very, very. Let's not forget that Sean McDermott trotted Nathan Peterman out there twice. Yeah. Yep. Once in the middle of a when <laughs> they when they're in the middle of a playoff hunt, like they're not just in the hunt. I mean, they, they if it ended that day, they were in the playoffs, I believe. Right. You start Peterman, and then he's your opening day starter the next year ahead of Josh Allen after you drafted Allen. So how much does he know about the quarterback position? Um, I'm not sure. I think he definitely owes it to Brandon Bean. Sounds like Bean was at the forefront of choosing Josh Allen over Josh Rosen. Uh, it just Isn't it crazy? I mean, that thin line between being a Super Bowl champion and being unemployed, talking on a podcast with myself, like <laughs> Jim right. Otis is, it blows <laughs> My mind. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, this was super fun. And again, I know I've said it already a number of times, but go long TD. Um, uh, you are part of the Substack Nation. People can find it. Go long TD. Sign up for at least the free um, uh, because you'll get a lot of great articles from Tyler. And just awesome to catch up with you, man. And talk yeah. ball. Great stuff. Anytime, Matt. Th- thanks so much for everything. Appreciate it.